They're continuing to load in well here for this big Group 1 event. There's a bit of movement from out wide. This will be confirmation from downstairs. Hello, broadcast. Okay. The clerks of the course have been passed fit to start, and Dean and Lewis are in the saddle. The red light goes on. The clerks of the course podcast is set to begin. Ready. And they're off. Chautauqua very late. It's English a half length in front. Can he do it? Chautauqua. He's flying. Yes. And excellent. But McCarty Diva clear with 100 metres to go. Excellent runs to second. On a zone runs on. But a champion becomes a legend. McCarty Diva has won it. G'day punters, welcome back to another episode of the Clarks of the Course podcast, powered by the Sporting Base. Uh, as we always are, head to thesportingbase.com for all your racing tips, your racing news, and all your sporting news as well. And of course, you'll be able to find uh, us on the little podcast button up on the top right hand of the screen. You can find all our shows and interviews. Joined by myself, Lewis Willoughby, again with me is Dean Watling, New South Wales form analyst and tipster for his own service, the Barrier Attendant. Dean, mate, uh, another big week leading up into some Group 1 racing this weekend. We've got another good episode coming up tonight off the back of our interview, our punting masterclass, as it were, with Dan O'Sullivan. Uh, we're going to be going through some previews of Mooney Valley, two days of Group 1 racing, Manicato night, Friday night. And the Cox Plate, of course, on Saturday. The Bondi Stakes at Randwick on Saturday as well. You'll be taking us through that, Dino. And joining us on the pod will be uh, Damien Ratcliffe of The Age newspaper fame, helping us with some big Group 1 previews. Mate, how are you going, uh, Dino? Yeah, good, mate. Um, it was a cracking week last week. We move into another huge week where probably the shift is down to Melbourne for the Big two nights. We've got Friday night, like you said, the Manicato into the Cox Base Saturday. We've got the AFL Grand Final, uh, Grand Final Saturday, and the NRL Grand Final Sunday. So another huge week of sport. Um, the weeks are just flying by with all this entertainment. How are you, how's yourself, mate? Yeah, very good. I feel like we keep saying this every week that it's going to be the biggest weekend in sport of the year, but it just keeps getting bigger and bigger. I mean, the Grand Final double with. Group one racing and racing Friday night. It's just unbelievable. I don't know where else you'd rather be as a sporting fan. Uh, yeah, it's been a good week. Been a good week. Uh, uh, well, I'll move into the beer in a second, but it was quite hard uh, to pick up a beer this evening. Went out last night and obviously, as we just said, with the big we- uh, weekend of sport, uh, I'm sure there'll be a few frothies involved in that. So I was going to have a night off, but uh, as always for the pot, I-, I decided to crack one out because we have to and we should. So my beer of the week is a Peroni this week, just nice and light, not too, not too demanding on the palate, as it were. Uh, good bit of good bit of drop, and it takes me back to Italy, mate. One of the best countries in the world. You know, I like to let my mind roam around sometimes, Dino. So it's a good one, uh, and helps me out on this uh, bit of a dusty Thursday. What's your beer of the week, mate? Yeah, well, all eyes is on Melbourne this week, so I thought I would head down there and have the. One and only, Victorian Bitter, VB, uh, in the can. I don't think I have to give it a segue of what it tastes like. Uh, so, no, nah, keeping it Melbourne this week. All of my attention's down there. And a shout-out to all the Melbourne folk doing it tough. Not allowed out of their houses. No, uh, the restrictions are tough down there at the moment. And I can't get out to the Group 1 additions this weekend. So, 
I'm with the VB Lager this week, mate. Be honest with me. Are you enjoying that out of a can? Yeah, it's actually not too bad. I've never actually had VB out of the can. I've only had it on tap, but they're actually going down very well on a busy Thursday night. Can't lie. Very good. Well, you're doing better than me. I couldn't have one out of them out of a can. You're doing much, much better than I am. Uh, that's for sure. Now, we move in. Uh, as we said, Melbourne's really cranking up the volume with their Group 1 racing this weekend. Two days of Group 1. Sydney's taking a back seat. Uh, although it's not a bad card, as we'll get to in a second, Dino, for the Bondi Stakes Day at Randwick. It's actually a pretty good card. A few betting opportunities in there as well. But Melbourne's cranking it up. We're going two nights, or a, day and a, a night and a day of Group 1 racing. Uh, and joining us to preview this big week of racing and also talk a bit of news is, uh, as we said, Damien Ratcliffe. So without further ado, let's jump into that. Joining us on the pod today for an analysis of the huge Group 1 weekend of racing coming up in Melbourne is the Chief Racing Reporter at The Age in Melbourne. He's the founder of the Next Gen Racing Program and all obviously a keen punter and tipster himself. <laughs> Damien Ratcliffe, welcome aboard, Damo. Lewis and Dean, it's great to be on. I'm, uh, it's one of my favourite weekends. It's a shame that the, the Valley won't be packed um, ahead of a, a massive weekend, but I'm excited to uh, chat to you about it nonetheless. That's it. It should be good. We'll be parking up in front of a TV at the pub or at home somewhere, I'm sure. Now, uh, before we jump into uh, the, the Manicado, obviously, and the Cox Plate, which are the two Group 1 races uh, coming up this Saturday. For the listeners that, that don't know yourself, just give us a bit of your background, where your interest uh, came in racing came from. Yeah, I've always um, wanted to be a journo, probably since I was uh, 16. And and uh, on, on the journey, I did some work experience at RSN and that sort of piqued my interest in racing. Um, my last um, two jobs back, I worked at G1X for a year and, and worked along a guy like Mick Sharkey, who was... Um, Great to learn off. Uh, I then went back into newspapers uh, at the Geelong Addy, worked there for two and a half years and an opening came up to be the chief racing rider at the age and I threw my hand up and was lucky enough to get it. So I've been in this position for uh, just over a year now, uh, really enjoying it. Started on the eve of last spring and um, really excited about this spring and you know, it's been a busy 12 months um, news-wise in racing, uh, but uh, the racing's been really good as well. So now that's a, a little bit of my background, but I don't like talking about myself too much. No, that's all right. That's all right. That's good to know. A good, strong journo background. Now, is this weekend of racing, you said before, uh, it's usually one that's packed out at the course. Is this one you normally like to get out to? What's the atmosphere and the vibe on a weekend like this out there? Yeah, I, I grew up in Greenvale, which is about uh, 15, 20 minutes from Mooney Valley and was member there for a little while. And I went to probably um, five or six Cox Plates in a row. It was the one growing up that we all went to on the Saturday and um, I remember seeing the likes of So You Think win and, and Pinker Pinker cause an upset. Um, I think Jimmy Chu was the favourite that day and got beat and then obviously a, a number of Winxes wins as well. So, uh, yeah, it's, um, it's a great place to watch racing. I think it's one of the best in the world being so close to the track and you've got, um, you know, 20,000 people packed in there. I've seen Black Caviar under lights on a Friday night win a William Reed there and you've obviously got the atmosphere of uh, a guy like Daryl Braithwaite singing horses. So it's um, it's a, a ripping, ripping weekend unlike uh, unlike many other race racing events. 
Perfect, perfect. Welcome again to the pod. Uh, it's Dean here, Damo. Um, I can only imagine it's a huge week being in journalism down in Melbourne uh, with the two big races we mentioned. There's always some big breaking stories throughout the week. We're just going to touch on a few and just get your thoughts on them. Um, run, run us through your thoughts on Very Elegant's uh, 0.5 kilo penalty in the Melbourne Cup of her um, huge Caulfield Cup win last week. Yeah, it's interesting because the owner obviously came out on radio and said if she got more than a kilo, they wouldn't be heading to the Melbourne Cup. But look, she beat Anthony Van Dyke fair and square, I thought. Um, she obviously appreciates the wet ground and that was probably a, a little advantage to her. I wouldn't be surprised if we saw a, a firm track that day. Anthony Van Dyke might have turned the table. So she deserved a penalty. Um, I thought somewhere between half a kilo and a kilo. Um, if she ca- if she got a kilo, she probably would have been the second uh, would have carried the second most weight a mare's ever carried behind Maccabi Diva in her third Melbourne Cup. So, look, she's um, she's certainly a, a very good mare. Um, I know comparisons have been made to Steel Prince uh, being penalised a kilo out of his Geelong Cup win, but. Um, but I think when you're that high up the order, generally you don't get a massive penalty. You probably get a little penalty, and, and that's what they've uh, decided here. So, you know, all systems go for the connections. They're going to head towards the Melbourne Cup, and it will be interesting to see how she goes. And you mentioned um, Maccabi Diva there. Now, I know it's really hard, obviously, to start making comparisons between uh, horses like this. They're not entirely the same. But uh, you were probably around more than Dean and I, and I were during Maccabi Diva's big Melbourne Cup wins. Do you think, you know, carrying that same weight, uh, more or less, that that Maccabi Diva had to carry in the Cup, that Very Elegant would be able to replicate a win like that? Well, I think the biggest difference is that um, the number of internationals coming over in Maccabi Diva's day weren't like they were now. We're getting some really quality animals. Anthony Van Dyke, an English derby winner. Um, Santiago, who won't be running in the Melbourne Cup now, but he's an Irish um, derby winner. And Tiger Moth comes out of that race too. And a lightly raced three-year-old who looks like he'll beat the handicap. So it's hard to compare eras in that sense. But Maccabi Diva was obviously an out-and-out champion. Um, She rallied the 3,200. We haven't seen that with Very Elegant yet. So she's got a few question marks to answer uh, on the first Tuesday in November. Now, moving on to a race coming up more pressing this Saturday in the Cox Plate. Uh, obviously, on Tuesday, I think it was, was the barrier draw and, and the final fields more or less being decided. And one of the big stories that came out of that was Lloyd Williams's Buckhurst missing out on that last pl- uh, spot. Uh, and the Kieran Maher and David Eustace trained Grand Slam, the three-year-old, uh, took that you know kind of last elusive s- slot. What did you make of that story? Uh, it's interesting. Obviously, um, obviously, the committee are really keen to have a three-year-old in the race. Grand Slam was the only um, Southern Hemisphere-bred three-year-old nominated for the race, and he came out of a Group 1 placing in the Caulfield Guineas. Buckhurst has twice run a Group 1 level and hasn't placed in either attempt, um, although Buckhurst did beat Sir Dragon A um, two starts back in his, uh, in his form guide. So, look, it's hard to weigh up. I think there's a small negative on Buckhurst when you go to a Caulfield Cup and don't run well. Um, that becomes a little knock and, and you're looking for horses that that have the form. But um, we're probably going to talk about a little bit of other news regarding Magic Wand and Armoury, but Buckhurst is first emergency and um, we'll see whether he ends up gaining a start. Well, that's exactly right. And it leads into my next question, the fact that he may gain a start. You broke some news 
this afternoon, Thursday afternoon, that uh, both Magic Wand and Armoury had been showing signs of lameness, and they're going to be uh, reviewed by the vets, I'm pretty sure. Tell us about that. Yeah, so all 14 and, sorry, 15, if you include Buckhurst, um, uh, nominated or accepted runners for the Cox Plate were uh, examined by vets today, but those two Aidan O'Brien runners Magic Wine and Armoury have shown uh, mild signs of lameness. I had a question on Twitter from Dan O'Sullivan whether the horses would be scanned with uh, with Racing Victoria's um, CT scanner at a uh, University of Melbourne campus in Werribee, but that's a it's a standing um, scanner. It's not a portable one, and horses that need to undergo those scans, like Marmalo and Ispolini leading into last year's Melbourne Cup, uh, actually need a mild sedation and it's too close to race day to give those two Aidan O'Brien horses a mild sedation. So uh, three vets, two Racing Victoria vets and an independent vet will um, go and examine those two horses tomorrow um, and make a decision on whether they'll start. And I'm sure we've seen with uh, Santiago, the Aidan O'Brien team, if they feel that the horses aren't right, I would expect that um, they would make the decision themselves not to run. So we'll take on trust. If those two horses line up in the Cox Plate, they're good to go. Sets up a fascinating next couple of days um, with those three runners. Moving on to an interesting story or interesting topic, uh, being a Sydney, majorly Sydney form-related punter, I probably wasn't across this, but I did read this article last week. Um, the article I speak of is the Werribee Training Centre. You visited the training centre Centre, sorry, twice um, in the last couple of weeks to view some track work and you broke an article on the rate of injuries at uh, Werribee. Um, this spring we had Wichita broke down. Can you tell us yeah. a little bit more about that? Oh, well, regarding Wichita, um, was heading towards the uh, the Cantala for Aidan O'Brien, was sort of, a, I guess, a travelling stablemate for the Cups and Cox Plate horses, but certainly one of the favourites for the Cantala and worked alongside... Anthony Van Dyke, it wasn't until they got back to the boxes that they picked up the injury. Um, it adds to a long list of injuries out at Werribee over the past few years and um, with signs of lameness today in two more Aidan O'Brien horses, it's probably going to take a little bit um, more uh, more looking into, I think, um, regarding why the trend continues into this year. And that, you know, that sparked um, Racing Victoria investing in this CT scanner last year and Racing Victoria doing all they can to um, to try and pick up on, on early injuries. But um, but unfortunately, these internationals keep getting injured. And you've, you've been out to the track there, as we mentioned, and seeing that this is something that continues to happen, in your view, uh, apart from the fact that, you know, Racing Victoria had introduced that scanner, et cetera, is there anything you see that can be done or, or changed to improve this trend? Look, it's hard for me to comment, but what I will say is that before Werribee, um, Sandown was used as a quarantine centre and there weren't as many injuries at, at Sandown. So I'm not sure whether it's the layout of the track. I've heard that um, the tight bends at Werribee is something that the European horses aren't used to. They're used to bigger, longer straights, um, uphill gallops. Um, so I'm not sure whether that's something to look into, but certainly the firmness of the track is not a concern. I know that they water the track a lot. So these these horses are training on, you know, soft tracks. So um, I don't think that's, that's a concern, but um, it has been brought up that potentially the – 
the um, the turns at the track um, perhaps are putting pressure on the horses' uh, joints, um, unlike the, the tracks that they're used to back in Europe. Yeah, for sure. And when you were out there as well, you posted some great footage to your Twitter account of uh, a lot of horses working because, as you mentioned, there's horses out there from from overseas that aren't heading towards these Cox Plate Melbourne Cups. There's you know some other races that they're focusing on. Did any horses on the mornings you, you were out there really catch your eye and, and maybe went into your black book? Um, it's hard for me to say. I, I liked what um, Wichita, uh, sorry, what um, Anthony Van Dyke did along Wichita, and he obviously came out and ran well in the Caulfield Cup. It'll be interesting to see how he goes over thirty-two hundred meters because that's obviously a question mark for him. Uh, but the, the couple of days I went out there it was pretty quiet days. They only really worked their horses. Uh, strongly twice a week um, and, and most other days they're sort of trotting and cantering around so I probably can't give you a great um, insight there and unfortunately the way it works when, when we have the opportunity to um, to do an interview it means we've got to step away from watching the horses so um, yeah one of the days I went there I chatted to Johnny Allen after he got off Santiago and he seemed to be happy with the horse but um, during that time I was unable to watch the other horses work if that makes sense. I'm surprised you interviewed Johnny Allen. I, I can't understand what he's saying <laughs> after the time. <laughs> I saw one of your tweets about him, in the, uh, I think, t- t- talking in a post-race interview. Yeah, it takes a couple of times to uh, re-listen to the tape to uh, be sure you're quoting him correctly. Yeah, that's it. He's a great jockey, but, geez, <laughs> you've got to really concentrate and listen to what he's saying. Now, look, moving on to uh, – we'll start with the Manicado Friday night, obviously a great race under lights, um, all the Group 1 races – under lights at Mooney Valley are always really, really exciting. It's one of those tracks uh, where, you know, really anything can happen and, and all uh, 11 horses in this case I think have a, a definite case to be made. Um, it's race eight on the program on Friday night, 1,200 metres at group one level, as we said. Uh, we'll get your thoughts on this race, Damo. Did you have a, any thoughts on, on how the speed will play out and then maybe your top pick, uh, a few dangers or a horse you're keen to be against? Yeah, it's hard to see Pippi not leaning in this one. I read Chris Ma today that um, said they don't have to go full throttle with her. She's stepping out to 1,200, which I think is a question mark. And I think a horse like Hay Doc from Barrier 6 um, can take a stalk behind her. I think Hay Doc is a horse that um, presents as, as value. The, the top two in my mind are Trekking and Hay Doc. Obviously, Trekking comes out of the Everest, but the way that um, hey, Doc's been running. He ran in a strong form race behind Dirty Work. I think Dirty Work might find the 1,200 a bit strong. So if Hey, Doc runs to the level that he did in the winter bottom, he can stalk Pippi. Um, he can put the pressure on approaching the turn, and I expect him to be hitting the front at some stage, and it depends whether Trekking's close enough to run over the top. So that's sort of the way I'm seeing it, and I'm probably – if I'm having a knock, it's probably on Brooklyn Hustle. I just haven't seen her do it yet, um, and I'd rather see her do it than um, than have my money on her going into this race. Yeah, it's a cracking race, and like you said, I wanted to get your thoughts on uh, the Sydney Horse trekking. I know it was a torrid run. Um, Eduardo set a crazy tempo up front last week in the Everest. Uh, trekking had to set out after it. Closed very well. It was a big eye-catcher. Um, Classic Legend, obviously too good for him, but yeah. was there a slight query for yours? That run took a lot out of him, and now he's on the quick backup. Obviously, Godolphin do it probably better than most uh, with their horses, but was that in the back of your mind? Oh, yeah, it's always in my, in the back of my mind when I see these um, backups, even, even off two weeks. Like, 
I was one that risked Nate, Nature Strip and Libertini out of that that strong race that Libertini won. Um, unfortunately for me, I, I risked Classic Legend too, but in hindsight, Classic Legend was one that was probably out the back and was able to avoid that early tempo, whereas uh, Nature Strip was on that hot speed and, and would have taken a little while to recover from that. I think looking at the Everest Trekkings, a horse that probably got out the back and, and climbed home and I'm not too worried about um, the short backup. Um, I just think you know, this horse ran in the Gilgai last year, um, won the ticket into the Everest with MRC slot and backed up in the Everest and ran really well seven days later. I know the Gilgai might not have been a, a really hot tempo race, but I just think um, if if Cummings is sending his horse to this race, you're trusting that, that the horse is, um, is going to be right. So... Um, I don't see anything in the data that turns me off trekking. Um, it might just be a price play where, where the, um, I'm more interested in hay dock at, say, 10 bucks each way rather than trekking at $3.50. Yeah, you make some very interesting points there. Yeah. Um, moving on now to probably the best two minutes in sport, the Cox Plate, <laughs> uh, the Group 1 Wait for Age race uh, Mooney Valley on a Saturday comes up in race nine we'll do a little similar preview for the race um, we'll just get your speed map to sort of start how you sort of see the uh, early tempo main chances a couple of dangers and then the horse you're sort of keen to be against the tempo is really interesting because I think Russian Camelot out in the, the the outside barrier is going to play a part whether they push forward with him or decide to go back or try and find a spot midfield. There's no one better than than Ollie in that regard. You'd think the Grand Slam, the three-year-old, will, will press forward. Um, and then looking at the field, I, I don't know a lot about where the internationals might settle. So um, it's going to be a really intriguing battle, but you can assume that Cox plates are going to be run fairly genuine. And, and you look at the data regarding Grand Slam, he, he put on a lot of speed in the Caulfield Guineas um, and you'd expect him to put on a lot of speed again this week and then you might see horses that are, that are drawn out a bit wide pushing forward to find a spot. So I'm not sure what you guys are thinking regarding the, the track. It looks like there's going to be a lot of rain. I think probably the safest bet is to sort of play for a genuine soft track. Um, it, it's hard to see Mooney Valley get into the heavy range, but... That puts a little knock on Arcadia Queen, I think. Um, I've always been a big fan of her. She was brilliant last start once the bar plates came off, but I'm not sure she's going to be suited by a wet track. Russian Camelot will be suited by a wet track, but he's got to face these internationals who have been in, running in really good form races. The two standouts are Armory and Sir Dragon A. Um, Armory's Obviously short. I think Sir Dragon A is not a bad each-way play. Um, he hasn't got a great winning record, but he's got a great place record, and I think he might be paying about $4 a place. And the other one I got some early odds on after her Epsom win was Probabil, um, and I see the punters have really come for her. She's probably getting to a price now where I wouldn't back her again, but um, when she was out at double figures, I thought that she was a horse that um, looked well suited here. She's drawn barrier two. Uh, Karen McAvoy comes down from Sydney to ride. Uh, he hasn't won a Cox Plate. This is a last um, jewel in the crown for the Grand Slam for, for Karen McAvoy. But her Epsom win was don- dominant. If it's high-paced, um, that's not going to be a concern. Um, 
I don't think she'll be suited to a, a heavy track, but if it's soft, I think that won't be a problem. Um, 2,000 looks looks good for her, and I think she's an each-way play too. So um, there are a couple of horses there. If I'm going to put a line through one, look, there's a lot of talk about Grand Slam, um, shorter price than some of the other horses um, in the race, but I just don't think he's got the form of some of the other three-year-olds that have run in this race. Uh, you know, Castle Vecchio was a, a much more credentialed horse last year. Um, it was a lo- it was a weaker Cox Plate last year. He finished second, but he was beaten a long way. I just can't see Grand Slam beating these horses, even with the lightweight. But that's just my opinion. He might run second or third, but I just can't see him winning. Yeah, I, I agree. Look, uh, the big case that I think a lot of people as well are making for Grand Slam is that uh, the Mar and Eustace team, especially Kieran Mar. Uh, previously and historically, just has a knack of being able to get these young horses to just run these insane career peak ratings in these big races. Obviously, his ratings currently are nowhere near uh, good enough, you would have thought, to be able to win at Group for One, wait for age level. But, yeah, he's just got that knack of being able to pull out a massive run in them uh, and going forward will probably shoot as well. Back to Probabil for a second. Uh, obviously, as you said, Kerry McAvoy on in great form are you not worried that maybe from barrier two with just a, that lack of early speed, um, it could get caught in a really awkward position on the fence, maybe back in the field a bit? I just I just think it's rare for Cox Plates to be slow speeds. Um, I just think you're going to see Grand Slam push forward and you're going to see some others push forward. I, I probably I, I agree in some sense that I'll probably prefer a barrier like six or seven or eight, but... Two is better than 14. Um, Tiaka Shah copped it last year um, and just ended up too far back. Um, Karen McAvoy can, can um, you know, take some options. He can save some ground. And usually when they're getting around the turn in a Cox Plate, they're fanning out, they're looking to get wide and um, clear air, and that can open it up for a horse like, like Probabil who... Um, you know, might just get a quiet sit on the way through. So, uh, yeah, I'm not too worried about a really slow race. But, um, you know, if if I'm wrong and Grand Slam slows the tempo, then it's go- it is going to be hard from something right back or cluttered up in um, in company to to be making a run. And then back to Russian Camelot as well. From that wide draw, fifth devil, fourteen on the day. Uh, what do you think they do if they go back? Is it good enough to be able to loop the entire field and come down the outside and win? If they, you know, show a bit of positivity, do you think he's uh, a big chance of being caught wide, no cover? What 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 do they do from the wide draw? Um, I don't think they can go back to last because I think it takes a really good horse to run over the top of them. Um, so I think you know it is a short short um, short straight to the first turn. Look, I'd probably expect him worse than midfield, um, potentially midfield, um, probably taking a, a two-wide line, three-wide line with some cover. Um, uh, but Ollie will be, you know, he's he's probably better drawn out than in, let's just say that, because he is a horse that will be looking to get um, some clean air. He's a big striding horse. Um, yeah, I, I'm not really sure how, how it maps for him, but I reckon they might want to ride him a bit colder after um, letting Arcadia Queen have the sit on him two weeks ago. Yeah, for sure. Now, mate, just quickly before we move on, just give us a quick uh, recap of, of the bets in the race. There was probably on one other, I'm pretty sure. 
Yeah, I think I think probabilities each way odds. Although she's probably she's probably too short now for me. I I, I did um, better a bit early. I think um, Armory's probably the the international that suits, and Sir Dragon A I think's each way odds to it. Um, four bucks to place. I, I really like Arcadia Queen. If if the the rain did miss for whatever reason, then I'd be all over her. But um, if it gets into the genuine soft, um, then I probably don't want to back Arcadia Queen. Yeah, it could be one of those races that you have to wait uh, right up until the last five minutes to see how the track is playing. It could be a fascinating uh, final 200 metres if we have Russian Camelot and Arcadia Queen both flashing home down the outside. Before yeah. we get your uh, before we wrap the podcast up, we'll just get your quick final thoughts um, on your thoughts on the Melbourne Cup. Nice and early. I know it's probably way too far out to be confident or anything, but just a quick little thoughts on the Melbourne Cup. Well, it's going to be hard to beat Tiger Moth, isn't it? He profiles as as the right type of horse. We've seen cross-counter win as a northern bred um, three-year-old. We've seen rekindling win as well, beating the handicap. Uh, Tiger Moth has the right form. He's got the right jockey. Um, Karen McAvoy's won multiple Melbourne Cups. He's riding in great form, uh, obviously um, winning on Classique Legend last week. So, Look, I obviously can't back him. I did have an early ticket on Santiago, so I'm disappointed that he's not in the race. Um, uh, looking through, I'm not sure about Anthony Van Dyke at um, at 3,200 metres. Um, Prince of Iran was a good run, but I just think it's, it's very rare for a horse to um, not win a Melbourne Cup and then turn the tables. Uh, Fiorante did it, but... Um, not many others have. Um, surprise Baby's interesting. He's going straight into the cup. They've targeted this race and gets in with an okay weight. Um, but the Geelong Cup form wasn't great um, yesterday, a real standout, so I'm not really convinced on steel prints. Um, I know that's not probably giving you much insight, but right now I'm probably looking at an international that will be running in the cup first up, and we haven't seen him yet, to be honest. I am glad you mentioned uh, Surprise Baby, though. I think one that might have just been a touch forgotten by a lot of people um, because it hasn't been seen. Uh, but the run last year was great. I know you said it's hard to come back again and, and win or go better, but the run last year was huge. Uh, the Finch form is is somewhat standing up, although Finch just keeps getting caught wide. No, that's a different story. Um <laughs> But, yeah, I'm glad you did mention Surprise Baby. So that's a good one. But we'll keep an eye on Tiger Moth. There's one for all the listeners out there uh, that we haven't seen yet, an international raider on Tiger Moth. Now, Damo, before we let you go, I have to mention um, Next Gen of Racing, which I mentioned at the start that you're obviously the the founder of. I was lucky enough uh, with a few mates to come to one of the events at Mooney Valley back before we all got shut down, and we had such a great time. Uh, all the guest speakers uh, and whatnot on the night. It was really good. Tell us a bit about, obviously, for those who don't know, what Next Gen of Racing is. And then uh, I know it's hard to plan stuff at the moment in the current climate, but what have you got uh, on the horizon for the group? Yeah, well, as you said, it's it's hard to plan um, in events. We had a launch in February. The, the idea of Next Gen was to get more young fellas like yourselves um, involved and in, in learning more about the racing, I think. COVID has actually seen more and more podcasts come come out. The interest in racing has been huge. So um, we don't need Next Gen to do it all. I think there's plenty of young young guys and girls that, that love their racing and are, are looking to learn more about the sport, which is great. But 
um, yeah, if we can run a few more events in the in the future once COVID lets us all um, meet up, then that would be that would be great. We're running a few uh, tipping comps, and uh, myself and Hayden Byrne, who works at Daily Sectionals, providing a few previews, just giving um, giving guys doing form, um, you know, some different insight into into the way we look at the races. So. Um, uh, yeah, hopefully that that sort of sums it up. But if you're looking to um, looking to get involved, look up Next Gen of Racing on Facebook, um, and uh, feel free to invite yourself um, in. And yeah, like I said, some free comps. Uh, don't be scared to to enter those and have some fun. Well, mate, thanks for coming on the pod uh, and running through your thoughts on the big races and also the news. We've, you've got some you know really valuable insights there, and we really appreciate uh, your time this afternoon. And, and best of luck on the weekend and for the rest of spring as well. Good luck to you guys too. And, um, yeah, it's going to be a, a massive day with the AFL Grand Final at night. So I'm going to be looking forward after two big days of racing to kick up the feet and watch some footy. Could be a slow day on Sunday then. <laughs> Very slow. Thanks, mate. Thanks, mate. Take care. There was Damien Ratcliffe joining us for the preview, uh, thanks to the sporting base, of course, again. If you want to uh, listen back to this episode at the end uh, or maybe before you launch tomorrow night or Saturday morning, whenever you're listening, head to thesportingbase.com uh, and click on the podcast tab to find all our shows. How was that, Dino? He was, that was a good interview, I think. Yeah, he's very well spoken. Uh, Damo gives a lot of insight and probably a, a different layer of knowledge there with all the uh, breaking news stories. He's got a well-rounded uh, knowledge on all the internationals. So if you're definitely keen to have his thoughts and that on the international, he's probably the best person to find that out. So definitely give him a follow on the socials and um, he's got great content. So no, great interview there. Segways us into the big two at Melbourne. Uh, we'll start off with Friday night. One of the favourite races of the year, uh, one of the favourite weekends of the year. So we'll lead into Group 1, Manikito Stakes, um, 1,200 metres, race 8. The last race of the program goes at 8.45. We'll get your full preview of the race, uh, Louis. We'll get the speed map, your top pick, your danger, and then the horse you're sort of keen to lay. Uh, Damo ran us through his quick thoughts. So we'll just get your thoughts on that race now, mate. That's it. Well, uh, Damo was keen on Hay Dockett maybe an each-way price, and I saw uh, that he had done that interview with Luke Curry during the week, who was equally as confident uh, in the horse. So, as you said, race eight. Look, this rain again. So, the, we, we spoke about the Bureau in length last week and that they can't tip. They're tipping about as well as me at the moment, mate. They can't get a single thing on the money at all. They're now saying uh, it's Thursday, 8 p.m. as we record this, that it could be a dead set just rain, hail, no shine kind of situation. A lot, a lot of water expected. Um, so I'm I'm working off a soft seven to even possibly a heavy eight. Such is the rain that they're predicting to come. But uh, as we know and as we just said, they're very rarely getting things right at the moment. So it's, it's a bit of a guessing game. But I think regardless, it is going to be wet and you want a horse that's going to be able to get their toe into the ground somewhat. Rail's in the true. It's going to be in the true both days. Um, and yeah, it looks a great race. As you said, it's always a great race. These group ones under lights, uh, and I'm keen to dive into it. So looking at the speed, uh, 1200 meters, lot, a few go forward horses here. They're never re- slowly run races. These kind of, these kind of ones. So expect them to go quick. Pippi from the inside probably leads them up. Uh, Splintex and Bella Vella 
who unfortunately drew wide. I think they're going to have to push forward uh, and, and try and sit outside lead and then maybe Bella Vella get in, get in behind Splintex. I'm uh, not really sure how that's going to work. Hey, Doc is uh, not too far away. And then you've got horses like Diamond Effort and Dirty Work who are jumping from barrier two and barrier three, respectively, that probably won't uh, want to give up their good barrier positions easily either. So expect them to uh, be up handy to the speed. Back in the field, Brooklyn Hustle, obviously, as she does, will get back. Order of command from the widest draw, I think, and is the outsider of the field. Is just going to have to get back and try its best. Uh, and Liar is in an awkward situation from barrier four. Not the greatest of beginners, and uh, if, if she's a bit slow, does risk getting caught in an awkward position in behind horses back in the field. But, yeah, as I said, pace is fast. It's going to be run fast. They always are. Uh, now, I, 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 I took most of the afternoon to do the form for this race, and I was I was um, umming and ahhing, and then I really looked at it again, and I went, no, nah, I'm seriously keen on one here who uh, isn't at the top end of the market either. My horse that I'll be backing and I'll be tipping here is Diamond Effort. Uh, now, Diamond Effort comes off uh, a run where uh, it's at three wide, no cover. Uh, I'm just trying to get the form here. Three wide, no cover in the Scalacci uh, in the race that was won by uh, Dirty Work, who who comes here again. Three wide, no cover. Didn't have much luck. Hit the front uh, and looked like it was going to get uh, held, held on, but it just got nailed uh, on the line in the final stages. That was over 1,100 metres. I think with a better run here, which it's definitely going to get uh, from Barrier 2, it can easily turn the uh, tables on Dirty Work, who's quite heavy in the market about that $5.50 chance. So at the current price that you're getting about Diamond Effort, I really thought it was the horse to back. Uh, it's going pr- to be rock hard fit. It's third up, uh, sorry, fourth up into the prep. Uh, and the runs, this prep have been good as well. Won the Heath over 1,100 metres first up. Uh, and then went to the Moya behind Pippi and Trekking, uh, and maybe was just not suited by the drop back to 1,000 that night either. So out to 1,200 metres here, fourth up, uh, and launching from that really ideal barrier towards the inside, 56.5 kilos. I'm seriously keen on Diamond Effort. I'm, I'm really, really bullish uh, that it's going to run a big race and, and looks to be the top chance for mine. Uh, there's a few dangers in the race, obviously. Uh, Pippi is one that I'm not discounting has good wet form, should get an easy lead uh, from the inside draw. And look, there is people still question whether she can run a good 1,200 metres. It's true. But um, she's done it before, and I can't see any reason why in this field with a bit of sting out and, and you know, from an easy draw that she won't be able to get it here. You know she likes the wet. That should be fine. Dirty work, obviously, deserved um, in the market. I'm just a bit concerned if they go back again not back, but if they're just a bit slow from barrier three that it gets caught in that awkward position. You never want to be in the kind of coffin position, as it were, uh, in these races. So that's my little concern for dirty work. Um, And then obviously Brooklyn Hustle, uh, look, in these 1,200-meter group one races at the Valley, the only ones uh, in recent memory that are coming from last is something like a Chautauqua, and Brooklyn Hustle is just not Chautauqua. So as much as I am a fan of the horse, not for me, Brooklyn Hustle. Bella Vella, uh, awkward barrier, barrier 10. It's going to have to need a lot of luck up on speed trying to get cover. Uh, yeah, so there's a few other ones. One I'm going to be against at the price is trekking. Now, great run in the Everest uh, last start. 
Comes here with 58.5 kilos back to Mooney Valley. It ran second in the Moyer uh, and went really close behind Pippi. I'm just concerned that these two runs this prep have been big, kind of almost gut-busting efforts, and then she's got to, tra- uh, it's got to travel back down to Melbourne, line up here again. Um, and, and barrier seven also is a touch awkward for it. Johnny Allen more, possibly finds a spot midfield if it can, but then it's got horses like Kementari uh, to its inside. Dirty Work and Diamond F are going to be kicking up. They're not going to be giving away positions. So then you've got to say, well, where does Trekking go to? Um, maybe it gets into a three-wide line with cover, possibly. Oh, look, I just think at the price uh, of Trekking at $4 and let's say Diamond F at $9, they have to be closer together in the market. And the only way that can happen is if Trekking gets out a little bit and Diamond F goes in a little bit. So at the price, uh, I'm pretty keen to be against Trekking. And also Haydock, I'll be taking Haydock on. I thought it had every chance last start behind Diamond Effort. Uh, Diamond Effort went straight past it. The step up to 1,200 metres only suits Diamond Effort more, I think, um, than it does Haydock. So I'm up against the top two, Trekking and Haydock. They're against for me. In terms of my $100 Group 1 Challenge, Dino, and I'll get yours as well, I'm plonking the whole 100 on Diamond Effort uh, at that good quote just into single figures. What did you think? Yeah, you make a very valuable point there. Well, Diamond Effort and um, Dirty Work both SP'd around that $4 mark last start. And Diamond Effort was only beaten 0.1 of a length. Um, he comes up $9. Dirty Work comes up $6. So at a price, you've got to say the Diamond Effort has to be over the odds. got that heavy form, one from one on the heavy. And I'd like to see him push forward from the barrier and use that barrier. Uh, you could probably enlighten the punters a little bit more. How does the track at Mooney play when, when it's that boggish wet? Does it sort of tail to the leaders uh, on pace or does it give every horse a chance? Is there any bias or any records that you can sort of give the punters a little bit more of an idea if it's that wet track? Yeah, it evens it up more than it you know is if it's a rock-hard track um, and it probably gives an advantage to those that are just a few lanes off the fence. So if you remember, there's been a few... Uh, wet meeting since the Valley Racing started up again. Not so much on a Friday night, but but started up again in general. Uh, there was a few wet meetings, and you saw that the horses that were winning were maybe just those two or three lanes off the fence, which more just plays into Diamond Effort's favour again. I mean, if Pippi leads and Diamond Effort can get uh, 1-1 or even outside lead possibly, then it will be in that right position to be off the fence in the straight. Uh, so, yeah, I, I think if it really is that kind of Soft seven, heavy eight uh, by race time. No issues for Diamond Effort at all, as you said. It's got that heavy form uh, and can be a few lanes off the fence in the straight. Yeah, perfect, perfect. Make a very good point there for sure. Um, My $100 bet, I'm going against you. I'm trusting the Godolphin Yard here, I think. Um, They wouldn't back a horse up like Trekking, um, who was only two lengths off Classique Legend in that Everest. I think that's the four-up form. Um, so my hundred dollars. I know the price is probably a touch unders at the moment at three dollars sixty, but I think we, he might even drift a little bit. Like you said, there's a lot of cases for a few other horses, and with the fact of the rain coming, I think we might get a better price about trekking. So my hundred dollars is on the nose of trekking. That wraps up your uh, preview of Manicato Stakes uh, on Friday night, the Group One. Uh, we're on the quick back up to the Saturday. We'll move on to. Like many have explained, the best two minutes in sport. Uh, the 2020 100th year of the Cox Plate, race nine. 
Um, absolutely fascinating race. It's probably one of the most wide open races we could probably say. There's no real superstar coming down. Um, I think we both can agree on that. There's no Winks this year. Um, there's no Liz Grisher. So it's a wide open affair. We've got plenty of internationals, plenty of hopeful um, probably stars, you could say. Arcadia Queen, Russian Camelot, uh, flying the Aussie flag. We'll do a similar take. I'll get your early thoughts on the track. Um, how you think the track will be rated, rain. I know it's a bit of a uh, question, a bit of an estimate. And then we'll run through your speed, top pick, danger and lay. So take it away, mate. Yeah, look, as uh, as 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 Damo said, they're always fast run races. So a quick look at the speed. It's going to be fastly run. Um, it, this is going to have to be a race, just with this rain around and the unpredictability of the weather, that you probably only decide on your bet uh, very close to the to the jump, which is, I think, what you said to Damo as well. It, there's just too many unknowns at this stage, how much the cha- uh, the track chops up on Friday night, how much the track chops up again in the earlier races on Saturday, uh, whether the rain comes, whether it doesn't. There's so many unknown factors at this stage that it's really hard to pinpoint a definite decision uh, as to what's going to happen. So it'll be, a wait and, it'll be a wait and see. As I said, pace is going to be fast. Group one race over 2,040 metres. They don't muck around. They set a good clip. Uh, it's very, very hard to get to the front and steady the tempo. No one's going to let you do it. They'll take you on in front and they'll keep it honest. Uh, my bet in the race. I've got a couple that I'm going to be going and and I may as well just get my group one challenge out of the way now because it'll explain who I'm backing. I'm going $60 Russian Camelot. $20 Probabil and $20 on Fierce Impact, who I know you're also keen on. We're going to get to that in a second. But let's start with Russian Camelot. Wasn't suited by, uh, and we've gone through this before in, in a previous, wasn't suited by the uh, slower tempo and the smaller field against Arcadia Queen last start. Draws the wide barrier here. Yes, that's a concern. But I think if they're positive enough uh, and with just a touch of luck, which is what you've always needed, you'll, they'll find a position midfield. Arcadia Queen at 550, if this rain arrives, is not a bet. Um, as Damo also explained, does not handle the wet, especially if it starts to get uh, quite heavy. I think Russian Camelot will be able to get through it. I still think he's a very, very good horse. Um, I, I've been bullish on him all campaign. There was a slight hiccup last start. I think that's just giving us a better price now. Even with the wide barrier, there's still consistent money for him. If, I, if he was drifting real hard in the market, then you'd probably go, okay, we're in a bit of trouble here. But the fact that he's remained uh, solid and, and kept favoritism all through this uh, tells me that he's still on track and, and he's still a good bet. I still think he's the best horse in the race. I think he can win. Probable comes off that really good Sydney run down to Melbourne now. Uh, McAvoy's made the trip as well. Has the barrier two, which is a touch awkward, um, but... They wouldn't take him down there unless they were confident that he would be very, very competitive and run a good race. Uh, and at $9, I, I know Damo said it was probably unders for him now, but I still think that's a bet at 9 bucks. I, I can get him a bit shorter than that again. Um, it just it's, You're just going to have to cross your fingers with the barrier and hope that they find a good position from barrier two and don't get locked away. Uh, because if they get locked away on the fence – and you want to be making runs off the fence by that stage because the track is so chopped, you're probably in a bit of trouble because you might be forced to stick to the rail for a run. Uh, That would be my concern. But I think, as I said, wouldn't be down there if it couldn't run a very good race, Um, and and I think it will. And and McAvoy, uh, just in unbelievable form, as we know, 
good win on a broomstick at the moment. So if you want someone to figure this race out from that position, you want it to be him, and I'm sure he will. Uh, and the last one here was Fierce Impact, who we just spoke about off air, and, I'm, and you can go into a bit more detail on this one if you want. But $34, that's insane. That's an absolutely insane price. Seeing that Colding's 15 bucks, uh, and Colding doesn't go a yard running the Melbourne direction. Fierce Impact's over double its price, has had an unbelievable prep, um, and I'll let you I'll let you elaborate on it. But yeah, Fierce Impact for me, 34 bucks. Uh, that's a crazy price. I'll be having 20 on. Should find a good enough spot, I think, from barrier 12. It's not ideal, uh, but it's not the worst either. If it can just find some cover, it'll be fine. Explain to me and explain to the rest of us as well. You put it quite well off air. Why Fierce Impact is a stupid price at 34s? Yeah, well, simply to put it, um, I don't know if a lot of people have been following Matthew Smith's comments. Um, he's the trainer. He's probably the person that knows the horse the best. Um, he's been absolutely bullish since before the prep has started, that this horse has been set for the Cox Plate. Um, it's a 2,000-metre horse. It's absolutely flying. It's in career best form. And if you think it's in career best form, this prep, it won two group ones last prep. So you have to trust his word. He's the trainer. Uh, like you said, Colding, go back last start. That was a total forgive run. They went absolutely very slow in that race. Um, didn't give him a chance at all. He reeled off very good sectionals, race best sectionals. I think the sectionals were even... Um, up there with meeting best. Um, peaks here, fourth up. Beat Russian Camelot, second up. That's the form you want to be following. Um, I think people have just jumped off since that last start. Failure has the right SPs reading to this. 440 in that win over Russian Camelot, 220 last start. Um, I think he's a completely forgotten horse. And you, I think the biggest um, thing we found out about that conversation is Colding is an absolutely ridiculous price at $13. Does not go a yard um, left hand down, Melbourne way. Uh, if you can't get around Caulfield, I think it's an even more of a negative to try and get around Mooney Valley. So he has to drift $34. He's been past 2,000 metres three times in his Australian career. Um, he won a Dooman Cup, if I can remember, or a Summer Cup up in Queensland. Um, then he ran third last week, and the other run was an end of prep, fifth up, um, was right out of the market. Um, probably had excuses that day. So there's a huge case to be made that he could be a 2,000-metre course. I don't think you can say he's not of three runs. We look back in European form. He has form around Raheem House, mid-term. Um, they're okay horses, so you can't really knock him at 2,000 metres wet. Yeah. Um, a big tick for him for sure. So like yeah. you said, uh, there's a lot of cases for him. He, he won a summer cup at Randwick over 2,000 metres carrying 54 kilos. That was back in December 18. Uh, he's one genuine, he's one actual, sorry, run on a heavy going in race conditions was in the Group 2 Ajax in March of 19. Uh, and SP'd $13, was only beaten under three lengths. Then you go uh, to a Group 1 Doomben Cup over 2,000 metres at the end of his prep, run 11th. So you could, uh, without looking into it, probably put a line through that. There must have been uh, something there. Anyway, you, you keep going up through the form. You've got all these good runs over 1,600 metres. You then look at trials and heavy tracks. He's got a half-a-length trial behind Melody Bell on a heavy nine uh, and trialed behind Farnan as well on a heavy eight at Kensington. Then he's formed this prep, unbelievable. Third in the Wink Stakes, first up behind Very Elegant. Look at that form line. That's a Melbourne Cup favourite form line. Then went to the Mokaibi Diva at Flemington over 1,600 metres, as you said. 
beats Russian Camelot. He's eight times the price of Russian Camelot in this race. It's just insane. So I'm glad that we're both really keen here uh, that, that Fierce Impact should be able to re- run a big race. 20 bucks a win at $34. Uh, we'll be having a pretty good grand final night if it is able to lob. Just quickly back to the preview, the ones that I'm keen to be against, I mentioned Arcadia Queen. I think if only if it's because that rain comes, I think 550 is too short. Um, but also if the rain comes, 550 won't stick around. It'll be longer. Uh, Colding at 15, as we said, no way. Should be swap the price of it in Fierce Impact. That's what it should be. And Armory, who is the second favourite international, I was with it until the news this afternoon that it's come out and found to be a bit lame and can't be treated in the CT machine. Uh, it's I don't know what its map is. I don't think it's a great map from Barrier 6. Now it's got this little hiccup uh, basically on the eve of the race almost. Uh, and at $6, I think it's way too short. I'd have to be taking longer to that to get enthused now, just with this little hiccup um, that, that's happened in the, in the past 24 hours. So, look, that's my preview. I'll go through it again. Russian Camelot, 60 on. Still think it's the best horse in the race and can bounce back. Probable 20 on it at nines. Uh, just needs luck. Hopefully, old Karen can help us out there and fierce impact as we just went through 20 on it. What's your group one strategy here? Yeah, uh, a little bit similar to yours. I just think Russian Camelot is the uh, forgotten horse in this. You look at his wet form, four starts for three wins on a soft track. Yeah, the barrier is not ideal 15, but we've seen it so many times in these group ones uh, over the last couple of weeks. As soon as a horse draws a wide barrier, uh, it drifts. Anything draws in close, it firms. And in these high-pressure races, um, I think his best win was that win in Morfordville when he come off the speed, unleashed um, powerful turn of foot. I think don't think we've seen a win like that since from, um, from him. He's been on pace, sort of grinded home or got over the top of him late. So I just think he's a completely forgotten horse. SP, $1.50, two starts back. SP to $1.50 again last start. That's the right SP form line leading to this. I think we're getting the price because of the barrier. And if the rain comes, he has to be a bet. So $90, smack bang on the nose in Russian Camelot. Um, and um, like we said before, I think Fierce Impact, not sure if he can win, if he can win, sorry, but he's probably the most consistent horse in the race. $34 is the wrong price. So I've got to have $10 on the nose of Fierce Impact. So 90 on the Camelot and 10 on Fierce Impact for me in the group one. Beautiful. Now, I do have another bet on the program that I'll rip through quickly for all the punters and the listeners. It's race six, number six, Young Werther at around that $2.50 quite it's short. Uh, but I don't think it loses. Really keen on it. Absolute certainty beaten behind Quay Quay last start in the superimpose over 1,800 metres at Flemington. Was in a lovely position in the run, but was just left with absolutely no room uh, in the straight. Had a wall of horses in front of him. A really stop-start effort. Wanted to lay in when it found room. Then the room closed again. It was just a complete forgive. Finally knuckled down that last 150. uh, And for a staying horse, showed some unbelievable acceleration to pick up that last 150 and hit the line. He ran an 11.75 second final 200 metres. That was the quickest of the race by two lengths. Uh, And I think when a stayer is able to reel off those uh, sectional times off a stop-start run, it's a pretty good sign that they're a bloody good horse. Uh, I was going to say something else there, but bloody will do. Out the 2040 now, third up. Winkers go go on. Very good. Uh, It'll stop him from wandering about under pressure. He maps nicely midfield once again, and with even luck this time, he reverses the result and goes back into the winner's stall. Short, but can't see it getting done. 
race six, number six, Young Werther. Now, mate, moving on to uh, what is, I guess, the backup program of the day, Randwick, the Bondi Stakes. It's a good track at the moment. They're saying thunderstorms come on Saturday. Uh, but again, <laughs> I can't keep talking about the bomb, mate. It's doing me, doing me head in. I don't know what's going to happen, but it could be raining on Saturday. Rails out four metres. Uh, I know it's not as big a meeting as we've been covering, but how have you found it, Dana? Yeah, it's a very competitive meeting. I think last week um, we had the Group 1 Everest and – or should be a Group 1, sorry, Everest and the Kosciuszko. Outside of that, it was probably a very tricky day. I found this week very similar. There's probably two or three bets on the card that I'm keen to take. The rest of the day, you've got good horses. that probably were bets, but you know, we're drawing terrible barriers. So it might be a little bit of a quiet day up in Sydney, um, but – Obviously, we'll back that up with some plenty of bets down in Melbourne. Um, found it a, a nice card, like I said, two, three bets I'm keen to take on. Hopefully, uh, this rain stays away. We get a good track. Um, but, yeah, on all in all, it should be a nice backup card to the main event. Yeah, beautiful. Now, moving into your first on the card, it's in race three. And it's good to see you've uh, stuck with close friend of the pod, Rachel King, uh, for a win here in race three. Tell us about your tip here. Yeah, race three comes up, destination, um, very keen on this horse, loved its last start, I was actually very surprised, I was against it last start uh, in that race with Wild Ruler, um, the Heritage Stakes, that race is the race I speak of, um, absolutely flew late, probably didn't get the race to run to suit either, the Wild Ruler got it all on his own up in front, peeled off the leader's back, Osamu, and went bang, um, destination had to come off the fence, rallied late well, um, and just just missed probably 0.2 lengths off the winner. Wild Ruler, that form is the right form. Um, he's two from two of this prep. Got the form around. Doubtland um, on the lead. Prime star, that's the right form. The sectionals is the key to this horse. Um, you go back and look at those sectionals. The run looked good to the eye um, up against Wild Ruler, but you look at the sectionals, absolutely outstanding. Last 632.87, only horse on the day to break 33 seconds. Last 200, 10.89. Again, only horse on the day to break um, 11 seconds on the day. So those sectionals are absolutely outstanding. Um, we've got to follow them for sure. Like I said, the win to the uh, the run to the ice already looked good and the sectionals and time backed it up beautifully. Uh, we'll get a nice run. We'll need luck. Um, I think you'll find the fencing run. But we've got Rachel King aboard. Um, and I think a horse in the race, the bopper comes out of a midweek you could say failure with excuses, um, but I'm always keen to take on these horses um, that start favourite on a Saturday coming out of a midweek race. I think that's absolutely absurd that he's favourite, the bopper. It's all on hype. He can definitely win, but I don't think he can win at the current price. So my bet in race three, Randwick, is destination. Very keen to be with him. I'd be locking in the odds now. I think he'll firm to around that 250 price before the jump. Yeah, I'm glad you're keen to take on the bopper. I agree. I couldn't believe it. Open favourite. That uh, midweek run where it finished second, there was no excuses there that I could see. Uh, And, yeah, as you said, it was all on hype. Open 290, went straight out the door. Destination, otherwise, that must have been your money, mate. 370 into 310 straight away. And, as you said, we'll continue to firm, I think. So jump on race three, number one destination. Moving on to the lucky last of the day, which is – going to coincide with your get-out stakes bet as well, race nine. And it's a horse I think a lot of people are keen on too. I've seen some good chat around for uh, this tip in the last. So talk us through it. 
Yeah, uh, it takes a bit of guts to get on this tip in the last. The tip I speak of is Ice Bath. Um, a lot of people will probably betray this horse as a non-winner, but I think um, she finally finds her right race up to 1,600 metres, go back to her form around 1,600 metres. Her last start was in the gong, where, not the gong, sorry, a race at Kembla on gong day where she was 0.8 lengths of the leader. Comes through that race of All Saints Eve. Um, a couple of other horses who perform well out of that. I just think benchmark 78 form drops back huge in grade here. 2.1 lengths off Alligator Blood and Flint last start. That's the right form. Gets the claim as well with uh, Tom Sherry in the saddle. So gets in at 54.5 kilos in a benchmark 78. Um, also has that Craters form. You could reference beat Craters home first start when he flashed late. I think the price is the biggest spoil. Um, $3 now, sorry. He's been backed in from three fifty today. Um, I think there's still 370 uh, available on a couple of bookies. Um, you can probably give me the reference of what PlayUp have offered us, but um, that is the price that I'm keen to take for sure. Um, sets up perfectly for the horse. Tom Sherry, like I said, in the saddle, and I think that's a great way to end the day. Yeah, beautiful. I'm looking at it now. It has been backed as well. Uh, 3.30 PlayUp Ice Bath. Tom Sherry, great young rider. Um, who who has started riding in the city and is still finding his feet, I guess you could say, in the city. But his performances in the provincials and in the country have been outstanding. So you know he's a good quality rider and he fo- he's getting some good quality stock here with Ice Bath. So I'm glad that uh, you've tipped that one up. As I said, it's been backed early as well in from an opening quote of 450. Barrier 4 is also a good draw, would you say, for Ice Bath as well? Yeah, exactly. We've got the rail out at Randwick, so if anything, it could play that touch on pace. Uh, if we get a little bit of rain, like you said, Friday night, they'll probably even it out perfectly. But Barry Four should get the gun run, um, be there to strike. And like I said, that form around Alligator Blood and Flint, um, you can't go past that at all. Yeah, beautiful. So Dino's bets in Sydney for all the listeners, if you want to take these down again, race three, destination and race nine, ice bath in the lucky last which is also his get-out stakes bet. My get-out stakes bet this week is in Armadale. We'll go any for air for a bet, you know that. Race six, uh, which, believe it or not, is the last at Armadale. Race six, only a six-race card. Number four, Rapid Eagle. The market's not out yet, so I can't tell you the price. Fourth up, drawn barrier two, really well-weighted. We'll go forward here. It's going to be a heavy truck at Armadale uh, and has really run well on heavy prior. Uh, the four, the three runs, sorry, this prep have been around that 1,000-metre mark. Rock hard fit now out to 1,300 metres really suits. Uh, and I just like the way it maps from barrier two to go forward. And it's got that superior wet track form. So if you're looking uh, for a little late chaser, Armadale, race six, number four is my get out. That wraps up another big episode of the Clarks of the Course podcast brought to you by Sporting Base. Find us there uh, and you can watch back all our episodes as well. Dino, thanks for coming on. Uh, best of luck on Saturday. I'm probably, uh, will be speaking to you on Monday with a very, very sore head and a croaky throat, but that's no different. That's just a normal weekend. I think, uh, it should be good. NRL grand final, AFL grand final. You got a tip for the NRL grand final? Um, have to be with the Penny Panthers. Don't think I could be with the Melbourne Storm. Lost a close, a close mate, older bloke, uh, about two months ago, and he was an absolutely mad Penny Panthers fan, so I'm going to have to be on the Penny Panthers side. What about you? Who are you on? Yeah, that would be a great story. Look, I want Penrith to win. I do. I think they're 
uh, an exciting team, a young team, but the, the, the clinical nature of the Melbourne Storm in these kind of big games uh, could be the telling factor. AFL Grand Final, got no idea. Not that I don't care, just don't know who's playing in it. Uh, you can come and roast me for that one <laughs> if you want, but absolutely no interest. But I'll be watching it because I love sports and uh, it'll be a great way to wrap up a big Cox Plate day. Mate, good luck on the punt. Good luck all the listeners as well on the punt uh, and we'll speak to you next week. Cheers, Louis. Enjoy, mate. Enjoy punters. Uh... Good luck on the weekend.